Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Oh, yeah, look, I'm all right. Can't complain after what's been a productive um, couple of weeks in the championship. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah, it's been, what is it now, four games, five games undefeated, something like that, um, with uh, that draw against West Brom over the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, since the Swansea game. It's, it's wild. I saw the, just going on a bit of a tangent for a second to start with, but I saw someone post like the typical championship sort of highlight that you look at Swansea's form and I think up until they beat, was it they beat Southampton or something like that? Up until that game, they had something like one win in seven and that one win was against us and we had one loss in seven and that loss was to Swansea. And it's just like, what a typical sort of championship form line that like that, like it can just completely flip for one game. But anyway... We're not here to talk Swansea. We're talking West Brom. Uh, 1-1 draw Saturday night. Um, you know, it, it was, I think it was essentially a must-not-lose game. And uh, I think, if anything, we were in a pretty good position to, to go and win it. Yeah, I think um, we... It, it was a cagey sort of opening, but I think overall we kind of... We did carry on um, from the, the from the previous game pretty well. I think we were playing some nice football, creating some nice chances. Um, but... But I think West Brom were, had obviously I think done their homework and, and were very disciplined and, and did make it difficult um, for us in a lot of respects. But um, you know, some nice play, I think some some quick thinking, um, and a, a quality finish um, from from Carvalho was um, was was real nice to watch. Um, and it's sort of one of those games where, like, we've had so many of these these sorts of games in throughout the season where we've had a lead um, or we've been really close to, to breaking through and then it's been one poor decision at a key moment that has undone us. Um, and unfortunately um, for Morton, it was it was his attempt um, in, in playing out from the back sort of to try and switch it high and, and wide that didn't really go to anyone, um, which opened up uh, the opportunity for West Brom to, uh, to equalise, which is a bit disappointing, but... Yeah, I mean, in a way, you can't blame Rosinia for bringing Morton back in for Slater, but it is it did feel particularly harsh on Slater after such a good game against Southampton. Um, it, it seemed one of those where, I guess, you know, a fully fit Morton needs to be in the 11 somehow, and, and that obvious change was for Slater. But in high, I think obviously the benefit of hindsight is twenty twenty. but um, Morton didn't have a great game, and, and I suspect that that's... That, it's not it's not where we lost or because we didn't lose the game, but where we dropped the points in the game as a result. But it did feel like that selection might have might have played into it a bit. Yeah, I think um, you're probably right. He didn't have Morton. It wasn't. I've, it wasn't to the standard that we've come to expect from him. I think is probably the best way to put it. It wasn't like he didn't have an atrocious game. It wasn't like he had, mm. um, you know, um, an absolute meltdown or anything. He just just wasn't quite clicking the way that you know some of those passes and those um you know decisions have um you know worked out and he's it looked really slick in some of the in some of the you know those games in the last month or so but um just didn't quite come together um as you say hindsight is 2020 maybe maybe you know you just maybe yeah sticking with that um 11 like un, it's an un, it's an unforced change and maybe it you know, wasn't necessary but I think either way, we had enough pressure, enough ball, enough opp- opportunities, um, you know, to wrap this up and, and secure all three points anyway. Um, and that does—I don't necessarily think I'm—I'm I'm not disappointed um, to take a point out of this. I think um, it was sort of, as you say, one that we just couldn't lose. Um, we've actually done—it's probably the first time this season where we've been in a position to sort of cap where we needed to win games to try and capitalize and maintain, you know, in that top six where we haven't sort of fucked it up. <laughs> um, yeah. Dropped I mean, point and throwing the game sort of away. So. And, and even, and even the funny part of that, that I suppose is actually that it's almost like everyone else did us the favor that 
as you say, like usually in, in all these in, in all these positions where we just have to go out and win to maintain that gap or cr- increase the buffer or whatever, normally we lose and other teams then gain on us and all of a sudden we can't find ourselves eighth or ninth or whatever. This time at least, yes, we only got the draw, but, you know, you look at a lot of those teams dropping points or losing like Sunderland losing, they're now, what is it, six or seven points behind us, I think, all of a sudden. Like, we were looking at them as basically being level on points with us for a while. Yeah, they're eight points behind us now, which is quite remarkable. Uh, obviously, Coventry losing as well to Preston being four points behind us now. Um, Preston and then Norwich as well being three points behind us. So, um, obviously, Norwich with the superior goal difference could catch us if they were to win and we were to lose. But, um, you know, all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of sun, uh, you know daylight appearing between the top six and the rest. Um, regardless of the fact that we couldn't get the win in this one. Um, in, in terms of changes to the team, so Slater coming in, the one I was surprised by if we were going to change anything was that we didn't bring a recognised striker in from the start because you could kind of see it coming a little bit with West Brom being a much more physical side and not giving us the space and I guess the, the gaps behind their play that Southampton did where, it, you know, we had more of the ball, we did break them down, um, when we pressed, we pressed quite effectively, but you turn the ball over and there's still the West Brom defence sitting back and stopping anything coming in behind them. Like, it's not like a Southampton where you can just slip Carvalho in for an easy goal. So it seemed the sort of game that was set up for a Connolly or a um, Ohio even to potentially start the game and really put pressure on their defence. And we saw Connolly have glimpses of it when he came on, but... Um, yeah, I, that's someone that sort of surprised me that we didn't have a striker on from the start. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a little bit. I, th- I think we sort of referenced it before, but it was a di- it was different players to create the problem. I think you know when we seem to have lots of talent and we're trying to figure out how to fit them all in. I, it's sort of that again. We've recruited in January and and you've you know you brought in Zaruri and Carvalho and Omer and you want them all to play because we know they can. We can we've seen them all have positive impact so far. Um, as well as obviously Philogene returning to that to the side, um, and it's like yeah, trying to fit all those guys in because we know they're going to have a big impact. But you know, have we sort of have we unbalanced ourselves at the top end a little bit? Um, you know, in some of these games, and I think you know, recognizing the the opposition, the the way they're going to play, um, you know, their the characteristics of those players um, that, you know, you perhaps again, you know, we, maybe we should have thought about, yeah, playing with someone a bit more recognized, someone who's more likely to want to try and, you know, stretch that line, zip in behind, pull them around a bit, then, um, you know, like Cavalio and, and Omar are much more likely to want to come, you know, sort of forward off the line to receive the ball and then turn, but then there's no one there, there for them to sort of to yeah. play through. So, um it, a little bit frustrating, um, but I think, yeah, a, a good point um, to sort of continue what's been a really um, productive sort of little period of the season um, where, you know, we're in the six and we're pretty much, we're, we're essentially on the run in now. Like, yeah, well, I, I sort of said 12, in the chat 12 this games week, left or something, or? 12, 12 games left, yeah. Um, so, I usually get to maybe it's like six or seven games left and we start looking at the league table and seeing who's playing who. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the last two weeks now we've got with last week and then this week coming that we've got everyone sort of playing each other. So it's you, you can't help but look at, you know, who's playing who because we've got, uh, what is it? It's Norwich against Sunderland. It's Coventry against West Brom. And I think there's one other one as well that are all, and then obviously ourselves and Preston, um, all playing each other. Um, you can't help but look at who who could do us a favour if you know all of a sudden you, you're wanting Sunderland to pick up points off Norwich rather than um, necessarily wanting a draw in that one. So uh, it is kind of crazy how quickly things can change. Um, I guess last word on the game with um, with the goal that we conceded, uh, a bit of a difference of opinion. I know um, Mitch in our chat was a bit more defensive of Villagene's efforts in defence on um, on Furlong getting that stooping header. I was a bit more critical thinking that Philogene sort of switched off a little bit and, and could have done a bit more to um, to play at the ball. Where, where do you sort of sit on, on I guess, either if someone was at fault for the goal or if no one was at fault? 
I mean, the well, thing it's is, also, you know? so, someone's always at fault. Um, <laughs> as I learned, like, you know, like my, my Sunday around. league games on the like on the weekend that we played, where you know, I you know, I copped my part of the responsibility for the goals, and other people said, "Oh, it's a team sport; no one's to blame." I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I I get that, but also like there's a thing that I could have done better in that situation, which probably would have prevented that goal." Um, and I think probably. In that instance, in in the way that that ball's come in, I, I think probably Philogene does need to do um, uh, better to 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 stop that um, opportunity from sort of like off to stop him being out to Furlong getting the head on the ball. I think the way it's come in and the way he's been able to just actually like head that down in a very controlled manner, down and across, um, like it's a it's a great attack, like a great attacking header from from Furlong, like perfect sort of has taken. Um, also out of the game or out of that situation very easily. Um, but I think for what it was, which was just like just a headed goal, it should have been much, it should have been a lot more pressure um, on him. It was too easy for him, for Furlong to, to sort of get that header and get the control and the direction that he um, required. So I do think um, someone's to blame. Probably Philogene because he's the one who was trying to mark him. But if, if, but then again, like the the flip side of that, I suppose is like in like you know Greaves and Allsop and Jones, I suppose who are the guys who are organising that defence. Yes. You know, it, like is there someone? I suppose it probably Philogene is probably the the best player in that. Because I was going to say, well, should, should someone else? But you go, well, Seri's like four foot nothing. Um, Morton, I suppose, probably has the height, but not a lot of physics. Like in that situation, probably not the necessarily. Yeah, I wonder if someone like Giles, maybe. Yeah, so I guess like that's the other the other side. You go, oh well, you know, if, if there's a you know big aerial threat coming in, is is who the, who they've decided to mark him up against? Like also part of the um, conversation. Or do you? Or do you go even more extreme and you say, is it Rossini's fault for not going old school and having players on the posts? If you have a player on the post, that ball's not going in. Well, that is also true. Um, I guess, if you want to talk Sunday league, you always put well, players on the post, don't you? That's true. Yeah, we do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suppose the thing, I guess, yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those weird ones because you put players on the post, but now, like, that. They don't hold there anyway. They're trained, like, if you even if you play off, like, mark the post, they're trained to... To step out that um, instant, as soon as that ball's whipped in, essentially anyway, to try and catch any like strikers who are sitting on the goalkeeper to get caught offside or, or whatever anyway. So, I, I think potentially would have helped, but then also you put a man on the post. That's another man free in the box. Yeah. Um, another you know another head to aim at. So I, I don't know. It's sort of I think we you could probably just keep going around and around, apportioning blame to different people and not really get anywhere. Um, uh, yes, yeah. I guess yeah. It's someone else's job, match analysis. Um, Fair really. enough. <laughs> well, someone on the match analysis, backroom stuff. Yeah, no, all good. Uh, what were your votes for this game? Um, yeah, look, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to definitely pretend that I thought about it. Uh, I'll go the the cheap option, and we'll go three points to Carvalho for his wonder goal. Um, and I'm not actually sure on the others. I, there's players that I want to name, but I'm not sure if it's just for this game or that I've just generally been impressed with them over the like the, the their appearances so far. Um, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna go two to Giles. Um, I think I've just, I've just, as I said, I'm not necessarily, which is maybe not fair, but I don't know if it's necessarily for this game specifically or just like he just generally has seems seems to have positive involvement. And so now like it's not like he, had a, he didn't have yeah. a poor get like, but um, uh, and then probably this for this almost the same reason is um actually Omer I think has had and probably admittedly this probably was not one of his. I think this and his first appearance were probably his weakest of the appearances so far, but I think he makes some really smart runs and he wants to get on the ball in space um, and actually doesn't seem to try and do too much with it, which is a nice sort of balance um, against someone like, you know, Philogene, 
um, and some of those guys who just want to get the ball at their feet and run at players and stuff. So it's good. I think he um, has some really good attributes, which are, I think, positive for us generally. Yeah, and Giles got the assist, so it's not a not a crazy shout to to throw him in there. Um, I've gone um, Greaves for the three. Um, I thought his ability at the back to break up the play and break up the attacks um, and, and sort of rebound. Um, I think he's sort of under the radar a little bit in his performances. I mean, I say under the radar. I mean, a lot of people are praising him at the moment, but <clears throat> his performances the last month, I'd say, have really gone up another notch. Um, I think there was a period this season where I was starting to look at him and think, is he actually going to be worth the huge fees that we sort of expected him to sort of naturally progress to commanding? Um, but now over the last month or so, I think he's starting to take that next step. And he's and he's showing it against these, you know, the Southamptons and the West Broms that he can hold his own. And, um, you know, there was that period where he'd be like grabbing people's shirts all the time at corners and stuff and we'd go, oh, you know, it's not great defensive play. Um, and he's sort of progressed beyond that now, which is great. And, the biggest thing for me is he's sitting on nine yellow cards and he's been on nine yellow cards for, I don't know, two or three, four games now, um, where if he hits that 10th yellow, he, he misses two games. And I don't, I don't look, I don't think it resets until we get to 38 games played, which is like another four games. So um, I think he had a pretty clumsy tackle against West Rom, which on another day could have been a yellow. And you see him be so apologetic to the ref because you can just see it in his mind just going, don't give me that yellow, please. Um, so... All credit to him. Um, yeah, I went Carvalho for the two for the goal. Could have had a second as well. I mean, uh, rebounds to him from that Philogene shot that hits the post. Philogene's hit the post a few times in recent games. Um, it seemed it seemed to me that when it fell to Carvalho, he was going to score it, but it almost seemed like he had too much time. He sort of took the touch, tried to play the perfect shot and um, kind of got under it a little bit too much. So, um, gave him the two for the goal nonetheless. Um, one vote I went Allsop. Um you know, West Brom went down the other end, had their own poster and, and then almost scored off the rebound. And while you could say that the pers- that the player taking the shot should have done a bit better with it, the fact that Allsop's diving to his left and then still gets his boot studs back to the right to, to push that ball off target um, was really, really impressive. Um, had another couple of good saves as well. So um, he, he's having he's had a really big rebound in form over the last month or so, which is... Um, you know, basically coincided with Panda coming in. So it's almost as if he's he's sort of risen to that challenge of holding on to that number one jersey. So um, that was great to see from him. Um, all right, well, we'll move on then. Um, we've just sort of slated him for his game against West Brom, but we will do our player of the week in review, which is Tyler Morton, uh, who joined us on loan from Liverpool this season. 28 appearances, three goals scored. Uh, deadline day arrival. I think he was literally on the deadline, um, the club sort of, held out to um, sort of tease the announcement of his signature. And I must say, I didn't pay too much attention to him at Blackburn last season, so I didn't quite know what quality of player we were getting in. Um, but he he's almost the, the typical sort of or quintessential sort of um, quality young loan signing that we need to be hoping to be able to just bring in season after season to sort of supplement the squad, um, which obviously, you know, you're like Harvey Vale and... Um, Xavier Simons last season were meant to be, but this is almost like on another level. Um, and he's, he's you know, if we could sign him permanently as that Seri successor, like he's he's made for it. But mm. I think his um, fortunes lie in the Premier League if we aren't to be there next season. Yeah. Um, a, yeah, quality young player. Um, I sort of the same. I didn't really know what to expect too much um, when he signed. I thought, you know, you go coming through Liverpool, the academy, like coming through Liverpool, like then he'll he should he'll have some decent attributes. Um, but I think I didn't like I expected that he'd have uh, like a role to play, but I didn't actually realize how. Or I didn't expect how essentially the dominant he would become in that sort of position. That he's like, you know, we were going like. You know, we got a we talk about Slater a lot, and we you know last year, we, last season, you know how important he was in 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 that midfield and how influential he was, and to think, you know, that he's a guy that was first name on the team sheet every week last season, and he's been you know ousted to the bench by a twenty one one year old we've got on loan um, from from Liverpool, sort of sort of speaks volumes of the of the quality. Um, that 
uh, Morton possesses, even though they're very different styles um, of, of, you know, central midfielders. But um, yeah, I think his, you know, his, his obviously his touch and, and his quality on the ball. Um, but I think just generally he, he, for the most part, shows a really good game awareness and, um, you know, is, is able to, you know, can play a pass, is able to hold the ball under pressure, um, sort of picks, most of the time, picks the right moments to, to drop in deep to receive that pass and play their way out of trouble. Um, and I think I think probably the, it's been really interesting watching him progress over the season as well because I think earlier in the season there was a lot more of him um, in an attacking sense as well, getting in... Um, you know, in those areas, playing the one-twos, getting them the ball back on sort of the edge of the opponent's 18 yard and, and sort of running in behind and doing that sort of stuff. But he seems to have, like, sort of curbed that from his game a little bit, I think, um, more in order, I think, to just allow... I think, well, we brought in reinforcements and stuff, but I think just to allow those those other, like, those the, the attacking threats we have to flourish. And I think he's sort of for the really just mostly just developing really nice and getting the balance right in the way that he is um, sort of controlling that, that midfield. But um, yeah, I, I think he's a good signing. I sort of tend to agree. If, if by some lucky circumstance uh, we could get him, I'd be, I'd be more than more than happy. What's something I was, just yeah. gonna, I was actually just yeah. going to mention that. You go, well, you know, with Klopp leaving the end of the season um, and someone new comes in, New potentially new style of play, new style of everything that you know maybe some of these players um, are going to be overlooked, and it's going to be you know a very new look Liverpool sort of squad. The flip side is that potentially some uh, you know new manager comes in who you know really values youth um, and actually really wants to give some of these guys um, young players a go in place of maybe you know some of those big money signings who are maybe not performing to the level that. They is expected or who have been off injured for long periods. Just going to say, often these, you, you look at their League Cup final, and I'm sure Morton's looking at it pretty enviously because it's Klopp's last season, and he's just played a bunch of kids in that in that League Cup mm-hmm. final. Which I have no doubt, if Morton was still at Liverpool, he would have been playing front and center in that game, and so he could have silverware to his name playing in Klopp's last season. He must be looking at it, kind of going, you know, geez, what if? Um, but you're right, like, and so's Am Reigns in the chat who uh, had that comment that. There's every chance that with um, managerial change at Liverpool that maybe there is a possibility of getting him in permanently. Um, I I'd love that to be the case. I think I think I, I would never say never. Like you look at Ojun and you can never say never with some of the business that he's been able to do for us. Um, but I think in my mind, for it to happen, it's a summer where we sell Greaves and we sell Philogene for a combined forty or fifty million, which I don't I don't think is ludicrous. I don't I think, you know, fifteen to twenty for Greaves and, you know, thirty to thirty-five for Philogene's certainly possible. Um then you're suddenly saying, okay, we've got a big wad of cash to go out and spend, you know, ten to fifteen on Delap, ten to fifteen on Morton. Um and we might well see that that's the best course of action. We might say we'd rather just back ourselves to get the next Morton in on loan and actually invest that money in a new winger and a new centre back um who knows but yeah again like i guess it's it's dangerous in these days to say never um it could happen it could certainly happen and as june has done that sort of thing before um so it will be and and it's it's where we come back to like we talked last week logan and i about um you know is there a concern about the lone army or so to speak that we have in the squad and what we do in the summer and i just think it's just not worth worrying about because with the business we've done these last two windows, you just can't bet against the club doing something that brings in talent that we just didn't even think we'd be able to access. Yeah, and I, like, uh, yeah, as you say, like, there's not really, like, it's something that we'll get dealt with when the time is right. We'll make decisions, you know, at the end of the season on, on those loan players one way or the other, whether that is, you know, exercising an option to buy or, um, you know, making an offer to buy or, you know, just letting letting them return to their, you know, parent clubs. Um, and I think, you know, you're also right when you say, you know, I just sort of got to trust in, you know, Ajun and Tan um, because for the most part, the moves they're making are pretty positive ones and they are pulling off, you know, some 
like real coups, I suppose is probably the best way to, to, to describe it. Like players that we would not typically be connected with, that would not typically be choosing Hull City over others. Um, and I think that's important. It's not just that, like, you know, we're their only option or, or whatever, like that, you know, it's a, that we're not like the, you know, last chance saloon or whatever. Like these are players who are in their, you know, prime, um, you know, who are choosing us over other offers in how to phrase this politely more desirable parts of the world or yeah like but or even in more desirable or... leagues like mm. i'm pretty sure carvalho was getting maybe it was only remote interest but i'm pretty sure Wolves and a few others were looking at carvalho and he was happy to come here and obviously maybe that's more game time or whatever it might be but yeah you're right like you know Players could have very easily gone to a Leeds or a Southampton and, and been almost guaranteed of a promotion. Um, but they're seeing the style of play. They're seeing the, the the nature of the club. Like you look at a Giles coming in and how he's embraced the club so much. Um, it's exciting. Um, A.M. Rames with the follow-up saying, the lap won't get a look in at City and Jaden should not be sold if he has to be. Then it's got to be $50 million. Cole Palmer and Rico Lewis are fringe England first team and are pulling the price tags. I, I think it's I think it's a fair point. And I think I was sort of saying in the chat, I was trying to get everyone's thoughts on this. And maybe we're sort of transitioning from Morden into a broader transfer chat and we'll go on to the games in a second. But what it's a really interesting one with Philogene because I'm like, he's in England under 21. He's got how what is it, eight on eight goals in 18 appearances or something, and something similar in assists, six or seven assists. Um he's and I think, you know, there's the reported interest from a Liverpool, from a Spurs, from all these big Premier League clubs, and I'm sure there's interest from overseas as well. It's hard not to, like, you look at like a Harvey Barnes at Leicester, for example, and granted he he had some runs on the board in the Premier League as well, so I'm not going to necessarily say he's worth that sort of price tag. But I don't see Philogene as miles away from that sort of player, and it's more, it's more um, I almost think it's the perception of the club he's coming from where because Leicester were relegated and it's Barnes and it's Madison and so on and they're going to get these big fees, but it's just little old Hull City, so therefore Philogene's only worth like $15 million, where I'm like, well, I, I do think like it's it, – it also comes down to what's he worth to us. Like I think we've had this discussion before, but it's like – and I think Ajun or, or Baz or someone made comments in January about it where it's like even if we got offered $30 million, You'd almost say, why would we sell when he's worth almost more than that to us in terms of what his output is? Yeah, it's a very interesting, um, uh, like, conversation about um, Philogene because I think you're right. I think like the other the other thing that seems to be forgotten is like if he'd have stayed at Villa, <laughs> like I think it would have been. Is it... Sorry, we just got Aim Rangers <laughs> who works at Leicester City. So <laughs> shouting out Barnes and uh, Madison in that chat, but uh, yeah. Yeah, just example. Um, had had he stayed at Villa, um, you know, Premier League club, he would have got some game time in the in the Premier League this season. Like he would, like would he have been a regular starter all season? Probably not. But undoubtedly, at some point in the season, he would have been playing Premier League football. Um, and so the only thing that we like, and obviously, you know, for a player at his age and his quality, he wants to be playing football, but, and so we were able to offer him, you know, game time, but like he's, he already before he came to us was a player who was on the books of a Premier League club and was in their like squad was capable of playing Premier League football. So I think it's, it is that there's a perception of, of, of us, um, and where we are in the table and, and our history and, and us as a club as as being, you know, not so, not a club who can command a high fee. Um, but I think sort of you're right. Like the, the fees are not, shouldn't shouldn't be a reflection of the club that a player is at, but on their qualities, um, you know, and, and their, you know, their attributes and, and, you know, their form and all sorts of other weird intangibles. But Philogene 100% is someone who, you know, if he can man- maintain that form, he can, can continue to have output for the rest of the season, um, then, you know, I can't see any reason why he shouldn't be capable of generating, you know, big money interest. Um, and then the flip side as well, like if if Villa doesn't come to the party and like it doesn't activate the buyback or whatever, then 
why would we sell him? And yeah, there's all, and, all sorts of weird stuff with that as well. But And on the point about someone like a Cole Palmer, it's where I find it quite funny when they're playing in the same international team in the under-21s together. I think it was as recently as November last year. I think it was the game where Philip Jean scored and DeLapp also scored. And you think he's on the same pitch as Cole Palmer. He's just got man of the match in a game that also features Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer's now in the England setup, you know, scoring all these goals for Chelsea worth 50 million or whatever it was that they paid for Man City. And I'm like, I'm not saying that means that he's an equal or better player than Cole Palmer, but I'm just like, when he's shared a pitch with Cole Palmer, he hasn't looked out of place and he's, mm-hmm. you know, performed better necessarily. It, it's a really, it's going to be a really interesting one. And and it looks like because of the amount of interest that we have in him, that buyback from Villa at 15 million is just going to be laughed at. And, and I think that only gets triggered if we're in the Premier League anyway. So, yeah. Um, you think if you've got three, four, five of those big clubs all genuinely interested, we've just got to be sitting there saying, well, bidding starts at like 30, 35 million and you go from there because um, otherwise it's just not worth our our, um, our business selling him. And, and yeah, look, as, as Aim Rands is saying, that, you know, there are league one and two players pulling 15, 20 million price tags. So so why can't we expect double for Philogene? And, and that's where it gets exciting and almost hard to predict what happens in the summer because we just don't know a if we sell these players and b how much we get from them so look it's all to look forward to so uh i'm sure there'll be plenty more discussion about that before the end of the season but we will we will go through our um previews we've got a few games coming up um we're going to look at the next three games because uh we'll actually be off next week with no episode so we'll look at at all three of the preston birmingham and leicester games which i think actually sort of neatly rounds it out because that takes us up to that we'll have a 20-day break between the leicester game and the stoke fixture because of the um because of the first international break and then also the game against Coventry has been postponed after Coventry won in the FA Cup. Um, so this sort of takes us up to the end of this sort of period of the season, I suppose, before the run-in. Uh, and it starts this weekend with Preston, who I've got to admit, I didn't expect to see this sort of resurgence from. Um, Ryan Lowe was sort of on the way out almost with Preston with the amount of losses that they were, were sort of suffering and um, just not able to back up their early season form. But it's almost with the the, the return of John Arnarisa from injury. Um, Robbie Brady's looking great for them, and Will Keane, so a couple of old Tiger heads in there as well. Um, but they're certainly looking to be one of the most capable sides to challenge for, for the playoffs, I should say, um, which would be quite an interesting fixture. But there's something about it. I still look at it and go, it should be three points. But I know that that's, that's probably the wrong way to look at it. Um, no, I don't know. I think. Four wins in their last five. Like, that's a dangerous team. Yeah, we're about the same, though. So True. I think it's going to be a matchup of probably in, in terms of quality, I think it'll be equal to probably the last couple of games, like the, the Saints game and the West Brom game. I think we're both good games with, you know, two good teams playing good football for the most part. So I think it'll be another game um, like that. But I'm fairly confident um, that, We'll get, we can get the job done um, and, you know, sort of continue on our on, on our positive run. We seem to be in a really nice sort of, you know, it's almost a purple patch, almost a purple patch of form um, again. Um, so I really like us to to be able to capitalise um, and sort of, yeah, as, as we sort of said, just just consolidate those those or extend those gaps, consolidate that place in the in the top six just a little bit further. Um, but I, I just think the last couple of games, especially against those better, the high quality teams, we've played just some of the best football I've seen, um, from city probably ever. Um, and we just, those new signings just seem to be starting to sort of really, um, you know, those combinations are really starting to gel, I suppose. So I think, yeah, I feel real positively about our chances, um, but I think probably would be potentially some of those changes that we discussed in regards to the West Brom game. You know, I, I think maybe having a recognised striker and, you know, Connolly came on late and tried to do some stuff, tried to get involved. You know, maybe he is uh, an, an option to start from the top to stretch that defence and, you know, give some of those other guys, you know, someone like Carvalho in behind or, or Amur or whoever it is, probably Carvalho, but... Um, a little bit of extra space and time on the ball um, would be, um, I, I think, insane, very dangerous um, for us. 
Yeah, I think it's a hard one. I think um, I think three points here would be massive. Um, I'm really sort of reassured with the fact that you look at our last two games against Southampton and West Brom, and I think we've played really well. And I think the concern before that was that we were winning games but not doing so with much positive play or like, you know, not, not, not very good football. So it seems as if we're rising to the occasion, which is really good to see. It's not like we're going missing. Um, I really like Giles's comments after the West Brom game of basically backing us to go undefeated for the rest of the season. And I'm like, mate, go and do it. We're happy to see it. Do it. Um, so he's, he's, you know, clearly the squad's full of confidence. It's, as you say, I mean, it's one loss in seven now, which all of a sudden is a really good run of form. And, you know, it, confidence breeds confidence and it should mean that the players can go into this game feeling, you know, as much as Preston will be quite confident that they can get a result, um, puts us in a really good position as well. Um, I think you're right. Like for me, I think the change would probably be, um, it's a really tough one. I mean, you almost look, it's either Zaruri or Irma who comes out for uh, Connolly purely from the point of view of, you know, throw them on late with that energy to to make a difference in the second half rather than it being that they're not doing anything particularly well. It's just, you know, it's, you know, the finisher versus the starter, if you want to use that phraseology instead of the substitute, it's, you know, bringing on players to finish the game off. Like two fans almost become that, you know, his energy late in games is really um, helping us see out games or or turn them in our favour. So I think I'd probably say Connolly in for maybe for Omer from the start um, would be my change. Um, and uh, there's no other changes that need to be made. Is there no injuries? Um, so I think that would be it. And I, I mean, it was one nil last time. It was that Philogene wonder goal from the wing. So you kind of, it's hard to read into that whether um, whether we do match up favourably with them. I mean, I, they're full of confidence. I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I, I think it'd be like a two one or something like like you know our favourite scoreline at the moment is two one. So potentially tipping that. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think in terms of changes and, and the way that would work, it's pro- probably, I agree, that probably Omer comes out because I think it just makes a nice, you know, you'd want to bring, say, Carvalho off late, you know, and someone like Omer coming in is almost like a, a perfect like-for-like. Like. Um, but, yeah, I probably, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to feel. I'm going to go confident, although not too confident. I'm going to go with a one nil. I reckon we can keep clean. I think what's probably most one thing, as you were talking, I was thinking. You know, what's really really promising about this run is you know that some of those games have been you know ugly wins, and some have been you know really nice. And so it shows that we you know when teams don't want to play football and they want to shut the game down and things, we are actually now finding ways to to get a win despite that. Um, and when teams w- want to come and play, well, we can play. So I think, you know, if we can keep that, this 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 run going, this confidence, the, the, the football going, then, you know, we are a very dangerous proposition in the, in this run in. Um, and yeah, we can, we can create some chaos for, you know, the chasing pack, um, you know, in the coming weeks with some wins. I'd love this to be, you know, the the 3-0 against Middlesbrough, the the 3-0 against Peterborough that we've seen in previous promotion seasons where we go to a promotion rival and, and just batter them and, and boost the goal difference as well. We do we need to start winning games by more than one goal. So I would like to see a few more goals in this one. But um I'll look, I'll take the three points if we can get it. So if we um, keep winning, our goal difference is just gonna keep going. That's, up. I was <laughs> I, I was thinking that the other way because like yeah, our goal difference is creeping up. It's like, you know, we just take the one nil wins, but if we get four wins, it's, you know, plus four to the goal difference. That's fine. That's all we need. Uh, yeah, certainly. Um, we've got Birmingham midweek and it's, you know, pretty rare, I suspect, that you face a side four times in the season and have four different managers in the dugout for them. And, and of course, um, we send our thoughts to, to Tony Mowbray, who, um, it, you know, is not there by choice. Um, you know, obviously, having a bit of medical treatment, he's out for about six to eight weeks, I think, for that. So, um, hopefully he gets better because he's um you know he's one of the <clears throat> top quality managers in this division when he gets his sides up and running. So um all the best wishes to him. But in his absence, it's Mark Venus in charge of uh, Birmingham who have hit a bit of a, a, a you know sticky patch since um since that change of management. Um, they've only got the two wins in their last five. so um, they're getting sucked a little bit into that relegation battle, and I suppose you look at it as um, you know, of, of these three games that we're looking at, this is definitely the most winnable and, and, and you know, 
whether we whether we win, lose, or draw to Preston, if we were to lose or draw, um, and we're suddenly looking at it, well, a draw against West Brom, and, and maybe a, you know, worst case, a loss to Preston. Um, you know, I say that right? Draw to West Brom and lost to Preston. You'd be saying, well, we need to bounce back. So, so three points in this game, I think, is of the three games, almost the the. I wouldn't say the most important because I think that'd be Preston, but I think this is one that we really need to focus on on taking the three points no matter what. Um, yeah, it's been. I think they've been interesting battles each time we've played them um, for different reasons. Obviously, the the two cup games were a bit um, interesting. I think you know with a lot of youth, um, you know, and I think they sort of struggled to, to break us down with with a lot of youth in in those squads. So. Um, I feel like this is a game that is comfortable for us, realistically. It's a game where, you know, you talk about wanting to boost goal difference. This is probably, you know, that opportunity to really do that and to put a team to the sword and go and grab, you know, three or four goals. Um, I think this is that that game um, where where we can do that. So um, I'm pretty confident that we'll pick up three points um, against Birmingham. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully not too... I'm not overconfident, but um, I just think, yeah, they're just not in a good, not in a good run, not in a good position, um, and obviously, as you say, pretty um, difficult circumstances behind the scenes um, with, um, yeah, with with Tony Mowbray. So I think just take advantage and, of it. Uh... Yeah, in, in in more positive news, it being the early hours of Wednesday morning, I might be watching it with um with a little one at that point, so that would be quite fun as well. So we'll see how how that all goes. <laughs> but that that to look forward to. We've got we've got Amrans in the chat saying how far away from each other are we? A bit off topic, but I was trying I was just trying to think about it while you were talking. Um, what would it be that by by road it would be what four or five hours? Because uh, you're you? I'm about an hour and a half north of Coff, so to get down to you to to Sydney is about six or so hours. Yeah, okay. So six or seven hours. I'm trying to convert that to to the UK. Would that be poor? No, I'm going to need some help with that one. I don't actually know distances <laughs> in the UK, but it would be almost just what London to would London to Hull be a bit more than six hours. I don't. I reckon it'd be roughly that. Maybe. No, I've probably, probably got that so wildly wrong. That? I'm going to look up what six k's to the mile. So what's about be like four hundred miles or something? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. I'm just. I'm going to do this live while we're talking. <laughs> Hull, London to Hull. What's that by car? That is. Oh, it's it's late. so London to Hull is four hours. Yeah. Right. So yeah, as Amran says, that's that's like Leicester to Scotland. <laughs> like. That that Australia is a big place, people. We are uh... <laughs> drive, and we've that's we've it. been lucky uh, enough to get together a couple of times. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I was um I was actually oh. chatting to a mate from England the other day, and uh, when he was over here back in twenty twelve, we did the trip from the Gold Coast down to Sydney in a single night, and I reckon we left the Gold Coast at maybe about seven p.m. and we got to Sydney at about six a.m. or something like that. So it's uh. Yeah, it's a big country. Um, we did well, score predictions for this one. I think I, you were saying like three or four. I'd probably say yeah. two. Yeah, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, Amran was saying, um, you know, whether we take the draw against Preston and smash Leicester. So we'll talk Leicester now. And, uh, you know, for a while there, it was actually quite nice. We were the only side to have uh, beaten them this season. Um, they, whoops, got that comment coming back again. Um, they've uh, they've dropped a few games since then. They've actually lost their last two as well, which... Um, puts them in a pretty interesting spot in terms of the um, automatic spots. So uh, we've got that Saturday week, essentially. Um, Another interesting game in that sense, because I suppose you look at it like the Southampton game where you go, the pressure's off us to an extent. And I think a lot will depend on how we go against Preston and Birmingham as to how much that's true. Because if we picked up, say, four points from Preston and Birmingham, which I'd be pretty happy with, um, it, it would presumably put us in a pretty healthy spot in the top six. And then you're sort of looking at consolidating that spot. Um, Leicester being under pressure, you know, they're, they're, they're top of the table. They're, they're sort of on for a record points tally, but their fans are calling their style of football boring. They're playing out from the back too much. It's all very familiar, isn't it? So um, it's an interesting place to be at the moment, um, but they're for the taking. 
Yeah, I think um, this is probably the one I'm most worried about. Um, just, I guess, yeah, because they are obviously top of the league for a reason. Um, and they are also, you know, I think a, a little bit of a drop in form is probably really dangerous because they're going to want to get back to um, that. They're going to try, they're going to want to finish as, as you know, um, champions. They're going to want to finish on top of the league. And I think um, they'll be looking for every opportunity to arrest, you know, th- this little slide. Um, so I think they're probably actually... We won't tell anyone. Yeah, it's Abraham <laughs> saying Leicester are boring. And <laughs> say that on here without getting sacked. Secret um, safe with us. But yeah, I, I think it's probably one I'm the one I'm most worried about. Um, but I still feel really fairly confident that we can get at least a point from it. I think. Um, you but, know, but the, worried in the sense that you think that they might smash us, or no, not, the, I don't think, think they'll like blow us away. Smart. But I think it's one yep. that we could lose. Um, I think they just, you know, they've got some really good, like, whether they're playing boring football or not, they've got some, you know, really good quality players um, as well. So I think, I'm not, the, I don't know, it's one of those weird ones. I just have a, I just, it's just a vibe I get from them and this game. I'm not sure. I don't really know how to quantify it exactly. The one thing we didn't talk about with the West Brom game, which I'm just having flashbacks to now because I was about to say the same thing about Leicester, is I I remember playing Leicester and thinking that their goalkeeper was awful. And the thing we didn't talk about with the West Brom game, their goalkeeper was awful. Palmer, everything he did was was horrendous. I don't know how we didn't score more goals. We just didn't test him enough. But I look at the Leicester keeper in the same way. I think he's there to be put under pressure, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. and I guess that's probably where, where, where we're talking about, you know, it's the sort of players and who we bring in. And I think someone like Connolly, who really wants to get into that space in the box, like with a little ball over the top or whatever, and really get in there and, and you know, make the keepers make decisions um, is probably something that's really beneficial um, for that. And you sort of wonder if you had someone like, if we had him on from the start, say against West Brom, not that I want to go back to that conversation too much, but, you know, who's going to get, into the box and take shots and put pressure and, you know, chase down bloody the, you know, whenever they play it around the back or whatever. Like I think not, I mean, yeah, Cavalier did that a bit, but um, I just think, yeah, probably we just need to test, test some of those keepers when when they are suspect um, as much as possible. So um, you're probably right. We didn't take as many shots as we probably should have. We didn't get um, as many opportunities in there. We didn't have enough pressure on, um, him for spills because there was a couple of real dicey ones where mm. it almost fell to us um, and if someone was in the right spot it's almost like a tap in um, yeah. I think a couple of corners where he sort of came out and sort of grabbed it and spilled it and sort of recovered And but yeah um, I don't know just got a weird vibe about the Leicester game that's 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 my final say I don't really know exactly what it is about it maybe it's just yeah. their position that they're on top and, and they've in there but as you say the pressure's on all on them really with that game because um and how often does it happen that teams on top for so long and then um just the last hurdle drops those few games loses those drops those few points loses those few games and slips away i mean it happened to us once upon a time um Mm. so it gets so close that the players start yeah. tightening up a bit. You're right. And um, and Reigns is saying Zorori can exploit him. I think Zorori is definitely one, expose him, I should say. Um, Zorori is definitely one of those ones who can take those longer shots. Um, yeah, I think, look, I, I think for me, if we take four points from these three games, I'm, I come away happy. Um, anything more than that, I'm really happy. Um, anything less probably means that we've either lost to, to Preston or Birmingham and I'm a bit disappointed. Look, I mean, it could be draws in both of them, but... Um, yeah, I think I think that's sort of how I'm viewing it. So I think a loss to Leicester's acceptable in in those terms. Um, but I look at the Southampton game, I look at the West Brom game, and I think we should be going into any game in this division at the moment thinking we can get something. And, and Giles, you know, you've got to walk the walk after talking the talk. If he if he thinks we can go undefeated, you know, this is a perfect game to show that we can we can match it with the best. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing is it's really hard, I think, doing those sort of the three-game previews when you're looking so far ahead. Because yeah. it, like, and like, it is what it is. like no, no, I, yeah. like, 
it's fun. I think it's like it's good to have the discussion, but I think it's it's really because yeah. like yeah. it's all about like the context and the form and the flow. And I think like sure. we we've had this conversation now, but if we go out and we smash Preston and smash Birmingham, then I go, well, we're fucking winning. We're fucking beating Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. if we yeah, like as you say, we sort of scrape by, maybe you know scrape a draw out of Preston and we and we beat Birmingham, and then you go, well, I'm not super confident, and I probably yeah. feel sort of how I feel now, where it's a bit like you know maybe we can we compete, maybe we you know. It's, it becomes a smash and grab. Maybe they sort of smash and grab us, whatever. But yeah, I think it's just um, be interesting to see. I think like how I guess my potentially my view changes over these um, these first two games anyway. Yeah, you would have hated doing the podcast back in our first season because that was before <laughs> Tigers TV. We literally did an episode. Every episode was like a bookend of TV, televised games. So we'd basically go like an episode a month and you go, well, we've had like six games this month that we're going to review and then we're going to preview the next five. And it was it was a very different podcast experience back in those days, which um, thankfully these days we can actually watch all the games and we can actually talk about them. It wasn't just sort of finding highlights to uh, review games. But, yeah, look, I, I think you're completely right. And I, I even look at it from... Like that Southampton game's a perfect example where you sort of looked at this stretch of games and went, oh, geez, where are we picking up points? Like I take, you know, seven points or eight points from this run and, and it's going to be such a struggle. And then we picked up three points against Southampton and you go, oh, changes everything. So, uh, look, it's going to be a uh, crazy three games to look forward to. But, look, thank you for joining me for this one, Dan. No, no worries. Um, anytime. <laughs> and thanks everyone for listening in yeah we will be off next week and then obviously we've got the two or three weeks off um after that with um a break in play so we will find our time to to get back to you guys to review these three games where hopefully it's three wins for city but until next time come on city you've been listening to the official hull city australia podcast the tigers down under for more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. All the city's on fire Where the burning desire Tigers are roaring and destiny's calling Cause now is the time Yeah, the city's on fire Going higher and higher There's no turning back Cause you're out